<laughs> All right. Say, so, I want you to uh, pray with me right now, and we're going to get started. My name is Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome to New Hope Church. For those of you who are joining us online, we're so grateful you're right here in the uh, community with us as we worship, even if it's through these digital means. We are so thankful to connect with you wherever you find yourself today. Let's pray together, friends. Father, thank you so much for your power, for your love, and for your care for us here right now. We ask in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us in a mighty way. We pray, oh God, that you would uh, stretch our thinking and help us to love you more and more and more. We thank you for this Jesus, our dear Savior, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit who moves in our midst, knitting our hearts together, and always elevating the person of Jesus in our lives. We welcome you here, and we ask you to have your way with us in the name of our Savior, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, and use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. We're in the second sermon of a series exploring the body of Christ, the church. We want to give attention to what is this thing called church. We want to understand why it exists, why it matters for us, what our role, what our place is within this. There's good reason for this. One of the reasons is so that we can have a greater love for our God and King. Another reason is so we can be a more animated testimony to a watching world of this God's power. Another reason is so our relational bonds can be tighter together, unified as a family now and always. It is helpful for us to understand what is the church. And many of us come into this moment, this space, and we're, we're wounded by church. And so it's helpful for us to get a corrective, if you will, some clarity that God in his love and in his mercy might use to heal and to give hope. Last weekend when we were together, I shared with you my definition of church. I've been working on it for uh, two or three decades now, a long time, about 25 years. And, and let me just tell you, I said last week I'm a nerd, and you'll see it in the definition here. Last night, I'm sitting on our deck with my family. We have uh, Krista's sister and her husband are in town, my daughters, uh, my son-in-law, we're all together, and somehow this came up. And 
around the table, everybody agreed, yeah, Dad, you're a nerd. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Somebody says amen from out there. I know who you were. All right. So uh, here's the thing. Here's the definition. I want you to say it with me. You'll read it with me, okay? Please, here we go. The church is that fellowship of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, which crafted and empowered by the Holy Spirit and guided by the Word of God is called to wait upon and worship God as it represents and promotes his redemptive plan among the nations. That's a great statement, I think, about what we're all about. And while last week we looked at the fellowship of the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, today we want to give attention to this issue here that the Holy Spirit has crafted and empowered us He has made us, my friend and colleague, your friend and uh, brother, uh, Chris Jones, he he has this to say right here. He says, the church does not exist without the Holy Spirit. And can I get an amen to that? Because it's true. We have to recognize this. But naturally, a question arises, what's the Holy Spirit? Who or what is this? Now, it is helpful for us to recall that Christianity, Christianity is absolutely clear that we worship one holy and righteous God. One holy and righteous God. The book of James offers these words. Listen carefully to what we read here. James chapter two, verse 19. James says, the apostle James says to the church, you believe that God is one, you do well. Notice, he goes on to say this, he says, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Do we? Are we that awestruck by God? If we stretch back and in the most ancient days, the most ancient days, we see this in the Bible, we come to this statement that the Hebrew people recited every single day, and in fact, a good, faithful Jewish woman or man or child will do the same thing even today. It is known as the Shema, the Shema, Shema Israel. Yahweh Elohinu Yahweh Echad. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And so Old Testament, New Testament, it is understood there is one God. One God, mighty to save. One God to be worshipped and adored. In Christianity, though, is this unique understanding that within the Godhead is this plurality of persons. We call it the Trinity. The Father, the Son, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. This makes us unique, there is no question. And it is important for us to recognize this dynamic about our faith, the Apostle Paul 
uh, highlight some of these pieces so we may have understanding. In 1 Corinthians, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, uh, we read these words. We read, For us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist. And then he goes on, interestingly, and he says, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul pens these words, the book of Titus. In the book of Titus, we recognize that God is assigned to Jesus, as it were. He is, he is also God. Paul says that we are waiting, we Christians are waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So in one part of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says the Father is God. In another part of the New Testament, he underscores Jesus Christ as God. The Apostle Peter does similarly as it relates to the Holy Spirit in a fascinating and actually painful story that we find in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 5, there is this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, and uh, they were uh, manipulating their finances, uh, telling the Christian community, yeah, I'm giving this much, when in fact they really weren't. They were hoarding, basically they were lying. They were misrepresenting what their generosity was. And the Apostle Peter called them out on this. And this is what he said. I want you to note with me. He says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after all it was sold, or after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why then, if it was yours to begin with, why are you lying about it and manipulating it? That's basically the point. But he goes on and says this. You have not lied to man, but to God. Now he had just said a verse or so previous, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. Now he's saying you're lying to God. And so we see this testimony within the New Testament that within the Godhead, this one God, we have Father God, Son God, Holy Spirit God, one God, three persons, the Trinity. We also see the Lord Jesus strongly affirm this in a beautiful summary, very famous Matthew chapter 28, he's talking to his disciples about baptizing uh, people from all the nations. Those who have called on Jesus for salvation. And he says, when you baptize them, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And by the way, if we go to the very first chapter in the book of Genesis, the very first chapter in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, we read of this great God who says, let what? Anybody know? Us. That's exactly right. Let us make man in our image. And so we don't have 
in Genesis 1 a fully formed understanding of the Trinity. Here we are 2,000 years after Jesus walked the dusty trails of Galilee and Judea, and we still don't have a fully formed understanding of the Trinity, however much more revelation we have from Genesis 1. And yet in Genesis 1, in the very first chapter of the Bible, we have this understanding that within the Godhead is this beautiful community, a plurality, Father, Son, and Spirit, we later learn. It's helpful for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is unique within this, has a unique responsibility, something by which we must be very mindful. You see, the Father, the Father sends the Son. The Son, Jesus, redeems sinful humanity all who call on him by faith, he makes all things new. The Holy Spirit, he takes all of those who have called on Jesus by faith and creates the church. He plunges those who have been washed in the blood of Christ into this new humanity called the church, the body of Christ. And he forever empowers them, comforts them, convicts them, guides them, loves them, always putting the spotlight on the Lord Jesus. There forever he secures them before the Godhead. The book of Ephesians chapter 1 helps us here. You'll see it. Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to notice with me, verses 13 and 14. Here we go. In him, that is in God, When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, notice this, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so when we believe in Jesus for salvation, We are then sealed with the promised Holy Spirit forevermore, forevermore. This is how God chooses to manifest his way with us so that we can be safely redeemed and forever kept by him. The picture of sealing, by the way, I want you to imagine with me this, this uh, signet ring on a, on a ruler, and it's his symbol, it's his emblem, and he, he, he wants to issue a decree, so he mashes that ring down into the soft wax that, that is at the bottom of the, of the royal decree that says this is an inviolable law for now on. Uh, This is my document, it is my word, it cannot be violated, and that's the imagery here. God is putting, as it were, his seal on our waxy soul and saying, for now on, you're mine. Do you hear that? That's great news. That's really good news. Well, let's look a little more deeply at this. So, my definition says that the Holy Spirit crafts the church, or creates the church, right? Brings it together. 
Uh, the Lord Jesus, he, he speaks to this reality, this, this um, fact that the Holy Spirit has this kind of role. And so, for example, and I'm going to look at several passages of Scripture, so you just might write them down and, and then you can go back to them later. So, for example, in an evening conversation with a man named Nicodemus, the Lord Jesus uh, he, he offers these words, John chapter 3, verses 5 and following. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, to be born of water has this idea of you're, 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 you're naturally born, and so the water breaks, the birth comes. But if you want to be in the kingdom of God, you can't just be naturally born. You have to be spiritually born. And that comes through the Holy Spirit doing his work. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I told you you must be born again, he says. And he goes on, he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who has been born of the Holy Spirit. It's a prophecy that Jesus is giving. He's saying, look, if, if you're going to be part of the kingdom of God, if you're going to be part of the redeemed, the Holy Spirit's going to be the one that makes it happen. He's the one crafting it. If you're going to trust me, Great. And when you trust me, as you trust me, and in fact, maybe, indeed, so that you will trust me, the Holy Spirit's going to do this work to create this new humanity in you and in a redeemed community that we will call the church. The Holy Spirit does this. It's, it's beautiful. As a matter of fact, Jesus uh, goes further in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, uh, he offers these words about this. This is right before he ascends into the heavenly places. He says in uh, Acts chapter 1, these words. He says, he says, or it says rather, while staying with the disciples, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, quote, you heard from me that John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this was a prophecy that the church is getting ready to erupt on the scene and the Holy Spirit's going to create this great thing. And indeed he did, and we talked about that last week, and I would encourage you to go back and revisit that if that would be helpful. And you know, the prophets spoke of this. The book of Joel in our Old Testaments, deep, deep buried into our Old Testaments, we, we, find, uh, we find these words from the prophet Joel. Uh, he says in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, these sayings, he says, it shall come to pass, this is God speaking through Joel, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall Dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and the female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth and so forth. And that came about when the Holy Spirit broke into the scene and created the church. The Holy Spirit created the church, He crafted it. 
But my definition also says he gives it power. Not only does he craft it, he gives it power. He empowers the church. He makes it to work. And uh, what I want you to understand with me is that this uh, is a, a daily thing that we get to experience. So yes, he's created the church and he keeps creating. Every single new believer is part of the continual creating of the body of Christ. We had somebody come to know Christ just a several days back right here in this room. This past week, we had 12 men come to know Christ at the Rosebud Reservation Ministry that we're partnering with. 12 guys, can we give it up for the Lord? And what that means is that's 13 people right there that I'm aware of that in these past few days, the Holy Spirit's saying, you're part of the church. You're washed in the blood. You're in the new humanity. God through the Spirit is creating still, but he's also empowering. He powers us to live out our days for his glory, for his good, or rather for our good, so that a watching world gets to give witness to the fact that the triune God of the universe is a just and righteous and loving and gracious and merciful God who wants to make people new. Well, what I want to do here for a few moments is share with you uh, four simple ways that we see the Holy Spirit empower us. And here's the first one. You'll see it up here uh, with me. Uh, I want you to notice here, it says that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what he does is he indwells followers of Jesus Christ. He indwells followers of Jesus. Now, uh, Jesus gave witness to this in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 14, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus says this. He's, he, he, he says, uh, if we look in the Gospel of John, uh, he offers these words. He says uh, in verse uh, 15 and following, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper. Now notice, right here in these two verses, you have Jesus referring to himself, he's referring to his father, and now he's referring to this helper. This is the Holy Spirit. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells within you. And praise God that he does. And the fact that he dwells within us, guess what that means? Every single day, moment by moment, God's spirit lives within us. He lives within you. You and I aren't God. We're broken, sinful people that he's lovingly redeemed through the blood of Christ. But what he has done is he says, you're my girl, you're my boy, and I'm going to live in you forevermore so that you will have power and you will have peace and you will have encouragement. You will have my regular witness to the good things and the truthful things of God all of your days here on earth and forevermore. Dwelling with us, indwelling us. It's an incredible promise. Secondly, 
secondly, we see that the Holy Spirit secures followers of Christ. Secures followers of Christ. I referenced it in Ephesians 1, verse 14, which we looked at a bit ago. Uh, Allow me to read it again. Uh, It it says here, uh, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. We're forever secure. He guarantees our salvation. I can't guarantee my salvation. I'm a sinful guy. I believe Jesus. I love Jesus. I want to be a man of honor and integrity, and I'm a saint who sins. But I want you to notice these words from, also from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Here's what we read. Here's what we read. It says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. Remember the sealing. For the day of redemption. And the idea there is, look, there's going to be times where you're going to behave grievously. But you are forever sealed by him. You are secure with him. Thirdly, Thirdly, the Holy Spirit sanctifies followers of Christ. Sanctifies followers of Christ. That's a fancy word that means that we are made holy. We are set apart to God and from lesser things. I love that. To be sanctified means we are made holy, or that is to be set apart to God, for God, and from lesser things things. The apostle Peter referenced him earlier. Well, in 1 Peter, which is a letter that he wrote, you can find it toward the back of your New Testaments, he offers this testimony. He offers these important words. He says in verses 16 and following, it is written, you shall be Holy, because I am holy. That's what God says through Peter. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear or awe throughout time. Be holy. Be set apart. Be sanctified unto God and from lesser things. Now, beautifully, we read in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 how that might come about for us. And so this is what he says, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, then you are not under that law. Isn't that great? Walk in the Spirit. So uh, let me tell you, uh, some of you know this. Um, A couple months ago, Krista and I got a new puppy. Her name is Dolly after Dolly Parton. Yeehaw. 
says the Tennessean that moved to Minnesota. Uh, by the way, she's seven months and she's already almost 60 pounds. So Chris and I are like, what have we done? Oh my goodness, she's going to be a big girl. Um, but let me tell you, when we go for a walk, we're walking around the trails near our neighborhood, and here's what she does. She's right there at my side, going along at the pace, and she's looking up at me the whole time. The whole time. I mean, her eyes are just like, ooh, right there. And that's how we ought to be with the Holy Spirit, walking with him, having this fixation on, on him who is a God Almighty living in us and leading us. But you know what happens sometimes with Dolly? Sometimes a squirrel goes by. Or sometimes there's a stick on the path. And all of a sudden she's looking and then she sees the stick and she chomps down on it and starts throwing her head around because bad old stick. And I have to do what? I have to pull a little bit, gently, hopefully, sometimes harder. Why? Come with me, Dolly. In fact, my statement, the training statement is, let's go. Let's go. And when I say, let's go, guess what she does? She drops the stick and she follows. And the Holy Spirit, as he's sanctifying us, he's constantly saying, let's go. Let's go. And our opportunity is to follow. And look what happens. According to Galatians chapter 5, you'll see it up here. Uh, according to Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is born in our lives. Notice it's not fruits. It's fruit. That's intentional. That means all of that is one fruit. You can't just say, well, I'm not going to be loving, but I'll have joy. No, it's got to all come together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Do you have that in your life? It's for us to reflect upon. Fourth thing, here we go. Here we are. The Holy Spirit equips followers of Christ. Equips. Uh, every one of us have a spiritual gift. Every one of us who are in Christ, we have a spiritual gift. Uh, if you were to follow what I call the rule of four and 12, so, so uh, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, rule of four and 12, those chapters in the New Testament give you an idea of what the spiritual gifts are. Leadership, service, financial generosity, wisdom, encouragement, and so forth. You can look at them. But I want you to notice this one from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Look at it with me. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That relates to spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual... When He dwells and dwells you... When you are washed in the blood of Christ, you call on Jesus for salvation. The Holy Spirit invades your soul, lives within you, and he starts to embed spiritual gifting within you so that you can give great glory to God and be a witness to his power and his purposes before a watching world. So you can help build up the church. 
And so you can find personal fulfillment as God's child. Well, I can go on and on. But I want to leave those four things with you. What I'd like to do now is just a couple comments as we close. Here's the first one. I want you to listen, please, all of you. There are no end of organizations all around the globe. Movements, associations, entities. That's great. Many of them are really good. None of them have the Holy Spirit having crafted them and empowered them but the church of Jesus Christ. People say, well, I have community over there. Great. And that community may be rich and authentic and beautiful. But there is no more beautiful community than the community that is led by Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit, the church. We're messy. We're not always real pretty. But we're deeply loved. And he never lets us go. I want to leave you with something and then we're going to we're going to just close our time in, in worship. I want to invite you, hear me now, hear these words. I want to invite you to yield or surrender to the Holy Spirit every day. It might be, Heavenly Father, fill me with your Spirit. In fact, the prayer that I often pray, Heavenly Father, fill me with your spirit. Amplify his presence in my life. Help me to be tender to his promptings, his voice. Do you know, he speaks to us. He speaks to you. We need to ask God to give our ears the attunement to hear him. Look with me here. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit is regularly speaking to us, I got you. You're his. Don't give up. Don't be afraid. That still small voice, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. So listen to him, but also talk to him. Talk to him. And you might use the words of that wonderful song. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way with me. Have your way with us. In fact, I only wish that when I was a younger Christian, somebody had told me that, that I could do that. Now you know. Now you know. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Come, have your way. And he will respond. And you better be ready.